might just pray to start. It always helps, doesn't it? Father God, Lord God, we just thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Father God, for the amazingness that you have given us in him. Lord God, as I speak this morning, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that it is not my words that come out, Father God, but it is the words that you want people to hear. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I think we'll just we'll jump straight into it, and I'll go straight to the verse that we're going to talk from this morning, which is John 14, 26, which says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So today, we're talking about the Holy Spirit as our Advocate and Counselor. Um, Admittedly, when Phil did ask me to speak this morning and we, I heard the topic, I did think Paul was probably better prepared and better qualified for doing this. You know, he is a lawyer by, <laughs> by trade. Um, however, obviously, um, Jesus being our lawyer, uh, sorry, our advocate and counsellor, I can see how I can probably put something into this as well. Um, so this scripture in John 14, it actually comes as part of a conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples at the Last Supper. At the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus is talking about leaving this earth and going to prepare a space for us in heaven. I can only imagine sitting there as one of the disciples and hearing Jesus say, you know, I'm about to be killed. Um, Imagine sitting next to your best friend going, oh, I couldn't imagine living life without my best friend walking beside me. This is where Jesus actually says to them, hey guys, it's actually, it's all all right. It's all okay. In verses 15 to 18, it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus, Jesus tells the disciples that they're not going to be alone um, and that they, they will have somebody walking by their side. They may not physically have him there, but they'll have the Holy Spirit. At the end of the chapter, there's also a little warning in verse 30 where it says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold over me. So in the, the original Greek... I was shocked that I could actually come up with this, but that's all right. This is normally where Phil and Paul do well with this, you know, deep Bible, you know, theology stuff. Um, But it actually, the word that is used is parakletos. Now, this word is actually translated as advocate or counsellor. I also looked up this verse in the Amplified version of um, the Bible. And I want to read that as well. It says, but the helper... Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counsellor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. So as I say, today we're going to look at two aspects of the Holy Spirit as advocate and as counsellor. Let's start by looking at the advocate. So the dictionary definition of the word advocate is a person who publicly supports or or recommends a particular cause or policy, or a person who puts a case on someone else's behalf. 
most of us would have at some time experienced experienced advocating for someone. It might be as a parent for your child, it might be as a friend. Um, I have done this in a few places um, where I've been the advocate. The first place that I've definitely been an advocate is for our children. There are many examples of times where we've had to stand up. One of the most recent times has actually been um, just a couple of months ago, we had our regular time in court. Um, for those of you that are not aware, Shanae and Isaiah are um, our foster children, they're not our biological children. And um, every year we go to court just to relook at their plans to make sure everything's in place. So a couple of months ago, it was our time to do that. Um, as we're getting prepared for court, we noticed that the paperwork that had come through from the foster care agency was full of mistakes. Um, and they were just silly little mistakes, but there were things like what church we went to. They'd got that completely wrong. They had indicated that um, where Isaiah plays football and the level at which he was playing was all wrong. Um, at, one, at one point they said Isaiah was 14, not 13. Um, they incorrectly represented the relationship that the children have with their biological family. And lastly, the paperwork talked about one child needing access to their culture. Um, our children are, we're not 100% sure, but there's the potential that they have Aboriginal heritage. Um, but they only talked about one child needing access to this, even though they are full biological siblings. So cultural needs should apply to both, right? Our kids are at an age where they're able to see this paperwork. Um, and when they spotted these mistakes, became quite upset that such basic things were incorrect. Basically showing that someone didn't know them. It became very obvious to Paul and I that at this time it was time for us to stand up and say to the court, these are big mistakes. So we proceeded to send a letter to the court highlighting all the mistakes that had been made. We indicated that some people might see them as minor, however, our children did not. In our case, the judge actually agreed and said, hey, yeah, this is not okay. These children will eventually have full access to their files, so they need to be correct. And in this particular hearing, the judge also heard other concerns that we'd had around particular assessments that the, you know, might be needed and services that the kids might need. We came out of the court that day, and I actually turned around to Paul and went, oh my goodness, we just got them told off. We got the foster care agency told off. And I felt really bad. And then I, you know, as I was processing it, I came to a place where I'm like, actually, no, that needed to be done. Our children needed to be stood up for. Another area that I've been very passionate in advocating for is around disability access. Prior to meeting Paul, this wasn't even on my radar, funnily enough. <laughs> um, as a family, we often experience difficulty accessing some things in places that are either not accessible um, or are described incorrectly. Um, if we need to go to a new restaurant, it's something that is important for us to make sure that we can A, get in, and B, that you know, if Paul happens to need to go to the bathroom while he's there, he's able to do that. Um, Finding family accommodation that's wheelchair accessible is very difficult. There are loads of wheelchair accessible units that people can you know, go to, but try finding one for a family, it's very difficult. Um, and yeah, we won't even get started on wheelchair accessible car parking spaces. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the past I have been not so gracious um, when I have told the odd person off for parking in car parks without permits. <laughs> Over the holidays as a family, we were up in Mochueca. We decided to go for a walk um, up a dock track, um, which Doc had described as easily wheelchair accessible. Um, when we arrived, we realised it was definitely not the case as the track was uphill and Paul was not able to negotiate without assistance. 
Is I can I get you to put the photo up, babe? Thanks. This was also in the path. You can see Paul's legs and his wheels. There is no way that he could have got over that gap on his own. So this resulted in me sending an email to Doc suggesting that they alter the description of their track. Now, since we've got home from, from Mochueka, that was a few weeks ago now, um, I, don't know, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but it might just be because of where I'm at and where I'm sitting at the moment. But there have been quite a number of newspaper articles and things on stuff lately. So I'll get you to pop that one up too, buddy. Around access and difficulties for people with disabilities. It's just kind of been overwhelming and in my face and I've kind of been left with this feeling of like, what can I be doing more in this case? Now, obviously Paul's a grown man. He's a lawyer by trade. He can, you know, well and truly and is capable of advocating for himself. To the same effect, our children in some areas, not all areas, but in some areas are also able to advocate for themselves. So in the same way, the Holy Spirit wants to advocate for us too, out of love. Now, I don't bring these two examples up just for the sake of bringing up examples. I think the one similarity in the two things is me and my love for my children and my love for my husband, which makes me want to advocate for them. And it's the same way that the Holy Spirit wants to with us. The advocacy that the Holy Spirit offers is similar to that of a defence lawyer. So being married to one, not a defence lawyer, but a lawyer. Um, I know that there are many jokes that we can make about lawyers, um, but <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but I do know that when you are in trouble with the law, having a good law, lawyer is no laughing matter. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is our defence lawyer. I don't know what you envisage when you think of a courtroom. I know that for a lot of us, it might look a little bit like this. As I'll get the next picture up, buddy. This is a picture that, you know, back in the early days, Sinead drew of Paul. This is her vision of dad in court. I don't know if you can read it. It says, lies, damnable lies. <laughs> Sorry. I just love that picture, so I had to put it in. <laughs> Oh, he's got a mow. It doesn't normally have a mow. Now, the general role of a defence lawyer is to ensure that their clients have access to a fair trial and to advise their clients how to plead. Sometimes when the evidence is stacked up against you, overwhelmingly, the sentence can be a whole lot lighter if you plead guilty. Paul has actually told me that the way that the justice system works here is that if you plead guilty early, you can get a reduced sentence. It's called an early plea early guilty plea discount, and it can be up to 25% of the, of the sentence. The Holy Spirit counsels us to be honest, convicting us gently of sin, not to accuse us, not to condemn us, but to help us in our case. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. In John 16, when Jesus is consoling the disciples as they're grieving, physically losing him, 
he leads the disciples through their grieving process as a transition between his ministry here on earth and the coming of the Spirit, um, and as the coming of the Spirit is set in motion. He shows empathy towards the disciples, and in verse 6 and 7 he says, Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nonetheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And a few verses later in verse 13 it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So if the Holy Spirit is our defense counsel and is our lawyer, who's he defending us from? If we go back to John 14 verse 30, it says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold over me. So remember, this was a warning. Jesus recognized that there was an accuser, and at that time, at this time it was Satan. Um, but Satan didn't know what was going to happen. But he was actually coming for Jesus. One of Satan's primary goals is to, to accuse us, lay out all of our sins as a way to discourage us and make us feel bad, make us feel unworthy of God's love, therefore pulling us away from God. In Revelation, it directly mentions Satan as our accuser. In chapter 12, verses 9 to 11, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, an ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of the God and the authority of his Christ has come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our, their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. So Satan's desire, is to, um, desire to accuse us is in a stark contrast with the advocate. The Holy Spirit is the advocate who seeks to build us up and literally advocate for our cause before the heavenly court. To put it simply, the advocate represents God's merciful love towards us while Satan is the accuser and seeks to ruin, our sin, ruin through our sins. God wants to forgive us while Satan wants to condemn us. When I think about God's merciful love, I think of him as the counsellor, which is the second point. So let's look at what the definition of a counsellor is. A person trained to give guidance on personal and psychological problems. Now I know from experience that the counselling room is a very intimate space. It's a space where trust is needed. Um, it's a very vulnerable space and a space where someone needs to be often held gently. In my experience, it takes a long time sometimes to build trust. But when that trust has been gained, there's an amazing work that can be done. And this is where, obviously, I'd love to be able to give you examples <laughs> of um, some, some real-life things that I've seen happen and some amazing changes in clients, but obviously due to confidentiality and ethics, I can't even go there. Um, but there are some amazing stories that I've seen. However, what I can say is that in the work that I have done, I've seen a wide variety and a wide range of problems that children and teenagers have come to me with. Problems that are getting in the way. Problems that are holding them back through fear and anxiety. If we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit as our counsellor, he's able to walk beside us in a way that no human counsellor can. I'm going to read Psalm 139, which is 
a psalm that David wrote. It's quite long, but I want to just go through it. It says, For you searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down, and you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to, were, were I to count them, I would, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. I do not hate those who hate you, Lord, and arbor those who are in in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this psalm reflects the way God knows us is perfect. He knows us intimately, more intimately than any person ever could. It doesn't matter what we're going through. We could be going through hard times, good times. We could be hiding from him, feeling angry. It doesn't change anything. In John fourteen seventeen, it says, The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, but it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is telling the disciples that he will send a counsellor, someone who knows us intimately. He means that he is sending the Holy Spirit to help us when things are getting in the way, that problems are holding us back. With him walking with us, we will no longer be living with fear and anxiety. In Romans 8 verses 14 to 17 it says, For those who are led by the Holy Spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we're God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. So the Spirit is constantly advocating for these things to free us from condemnation and to enable us to share in his glory. We are sons and daughters adopted by God. When we're adopted, it changes the whole core of our identity. 
prior to being adopted, who were you? You were an orphan, abandoned and rejected. And you've made these things your identity. Unfortunately, many of us still live in this place. We think, I've been rejected. I'm walking in fear, wondering who's going to leave me next. And wondering how someone might tell you that you are worthless. And somehow we walk around in life waiting for someone just to prove this right. So we can go, see, I told you I was worthless. I told you someone was going to leave. It can be easy to project these feelings and images onto God, making the assumption that he too will leave us and reject us. Unfortunately, many a Christian um, has been in this low spot and cried these things out and cried out, God, why have you abandoned me? Um, There are many examples even in the Bible of this. However, God does not buy into this lie. In fact, he rebukes these words and wants to speak life into you. He wants to walk beside you and to comfort you. He wants to make sure that you know the truth, that you have been adopted by him, that you are wanted and that you have been chosen. As a parent who's raising two children who are not biologically my own, I can tell you that our two children are very wanted. We have wanted them to be able to speak love into them, to help them to speak life and truth into their lives. We didn't become parents because we just fancied having someone around that we wanted to put down. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, not at all. They were wanted. They were prayed for. They were a gift to us from God. So when Jesus tells the disciples in in chapter 14, verse 18, that he will not leave them as orphans, but that he will send the counsellor, and advocate, he does, not, he does this out of love, out of a desire to see us flourish in his truth, to know that we don't have to do this on our own. Our identity changes from one that is rejected and abandoned to one that is chosen and wanted, and one that is loved unconditionally. As a wrap-up, I just want to leave you with this final thought. The Holy Spirit is within us and loving us. Through this, he's advocating on our behalf and walking alongside us, which helps us to change our identity to be more like him. So this week, when you find yourself in a difficult space, needing someone to walk beside you, someone to stand for you, can I just encourage you to to tap into God and invite the Holy Spirit to be with you as your advocate and your counsellor?